welcome to another episode of Block Talk, presented by Theatre of the Now. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. If you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher so you never miss an episode, and leave a five-star review while you're there. And as always, follow me on Instagram at MichaelBlockTalk, on Twitter at Theatre in the Now, and visit theaterinthenow.com for latest news, reviews, and interviews. She is ethereal. She is the blend of human nature and the human experience. Colorful and loud, reverent and outspoken, a banshee girl that works at Marc Jacobs. She is cerebral. She knows what she's doing. She is the encyclopedia of drag, the club kid with a pageant wig, the New York queen from the South who won't shut her damn mouth. Say hello to Devil Monique. Hello! My God, hi. What an intro. (laughs) What an intro. intro. You know what? I can't take credit for it. It's a beautiful one. Um, I would like to thank the lovely, lovely uh, Zelda Peaches, formerly a Virginia queen who is now um, a quarantine California queen. Uh, we're writing that, and I yes, think it's I like so it. brilliant. And it's so good because it's like it, it describes me in such a specific way that like only someone who's like on the inside like could recognize and i think that's i think those are the best ones yeah if only instagram and twitter and facebook allowed that many characters that would be your intro oh my god all the time oh my god 100 (laughs) how are you where where in the world are you right now i'm in virginia because of quarantine it's a little um yeah quarantine like i think it just like hit everyone hard um and it, it was like a very long time since like i was out of new york and it was a very long time since I've seen my family and like I had a whole conversation with my mom about like the day everything happened and she was just like come home like she was like come home figure it out and just like take a huge rest which was very grounding for me and and it put me in a very uh direction of like oh I'm able to I have access to people who care about me that aren't just uh that are outside of New York yeah yeah I hear that I mean I I, I've been going back and forth from uh New York to New Jersey spending some time with my mom which has been nice, but it's it's a it's, we're in a whole different world right now. We're all adjusting and adapting, and we got to get used to it now. Yeah, it's a lot. It's it's changed. It's changed rapidly, and it's put us in a direction of being more vigilant and being much more um, adaptable to the change we are creating. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm excited to learn a little bit about you. Let the listeners in on things they may not know about you. So. We're going to start from the very beginning. You kind of answered it, but where are you from? I'm originally from Virginia. Um, I was born in Petersburg, Virginia, raised all over the tri- more raised over the tri-state area of Virginia. Mm-hmm. And then my drag was really birthed in Richmond, Virginia. Nice. What would you say, like, the Richmond aesthetic of drag is? Um, I think now, more than ever, it's a lot more open, a lot more... Um, aesthetically visually on the side of um being subversive and kind of even a little on the edge of forward thinking but when i was doing it uh say four or five years ago mm-hmm. i was because i started at 18 so probably actually longer <laughs> but anyway we're not gonna talk about that <laughs> but um it was very pageanty it was very very uh the execution of pageantry people had to exude and present was at a level that like i was just never truly interested in Right. Um, which really kind of outsourced me a lot in Virginia. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, you hit the South and all it is is pageant, 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 and 
a very specific style of drag. Um, Which and, I and, love. Yeah. But it, it just was never me. And the thing about that kind of stuff is like, those pageant queens are some of the best drag queens in the world. Absolutely. You know. And, and it's not, not that cheap to be a pageant queen. It's not cheap. It's not for the faint of heart. It is, it's, it's a business. Yeah, it's you a know? business. And, and it's definitely, it, it's a competition. You're always, you always have to be on. You always have to be poised. And it, it, it can be a strain. It can be stressful. Yeah, you're, those girls are wolves. And, like, to be honest, like, I'm a wolf in a, a lot of certain senses because sure. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a product of that environment. So let's talk about when drag did enter your life. How, how did you decide, I want to be a drag artist? Um, I just, like, was, I just had a huge breakup with uh, my first, first boyfriend. It was one of the biggest uh, moments uh, in, in my, like, young, like, adulthood life of, like, coming into it, a full adulthood. Um, I was really experimenting with, like, androgyny and, like, gender and gender expression. And I was like looking for like my, cause I was fashion blogging at the time, but um, cool. my fashion blogging was, um, I mean, I was like writing for glamor. I was like doing the things, but I didn't really want to put myself in the position of being told like what to do, how to do it, uh, how to be watered down. Because it just like was like, it was very unrealistic to have those uh, realities happen for me in Virginia. So I started like looking for modeling contracts and like I was also I just retired dancing. So like my life was in a shift of like, this is what I want to do. I want to pursue art, my artistic dreams and kind of pursue it. But there was really not an outlet for me, especially at that time being young, queer and black. There was it was just very, very like unlikely. And then I went to my first pride. I am a pride queen. Um, and I was like dressed up in like my cheapest wig and like my three sheets of Revlon Foundation and like it was the greatest time of my life and we, which, this was Richmond Pride yeah this was Richmond Pride nice. um, and I went to this club called Godfrey's um, and I was discovered by this queen named Heavenly Kennedy who was a trans queen and I mm -hmm. stand uh, and she literally just didn't take no for an answer <laughs> um, of like maybe and she's like you are going to perform at this club and I literally sat on it for like I think like a week and that was kind of it. And I won the competition and all, literally all my answer, all my um, questions about my future and who I was and what I was like meant to be doing and like what were, were answered, you know, like in that life drag really saved my life. It really yeah. saved the direction I was going in. That's amazing. So how long were you in um, Virginia before you decided to move to New York and bring your drag to New York? I started at 18. I left pretty much when I was like 23, veering on the age of 24. Mm -hmm. So about three, four years. Nice. What prompted you to come to New York? Um, I always like wanted to live in New York. I've always like loved New York and the essence of it and like the beauty that comes to the city and like kind of the artist journey that like sure. you can exist in in New York. Um, so I remember being interested in the way things were brought up there and then um i started visiting because i made connections with people online through social media to get bookings and to do it and i also was like going to school there and so it just helped to come back and forth and then i kept the more and more like i kept going to uh new york the more my art was appreciated the more i was appreciated as an artist and, and as a human and the less like 
the less it made sense to be in Virginia. Yeah, I hear that. Where did you go to school? Um, I went to Parsons. Amazing. A really good Amazing. school. Yeah, I did the online program through, and then I got eventually was able to uh, uh, just to go to Parsons. But then I was awesome. like, I got, I was like, oh, no, I'm good. <laughs> All right. So how would you describe yourself in three words? Um, electric, okay. forward, and sensual. Love that. Yeah. Is there a story behind your drag name and persona? Yeah. Um, so when I was like pursuing things, I had this conversation with my friend. I was like looking for a stage name and um, I was looking for the name of, um, this was like a forever ago too. This was like over 15 years ago. Oh my God. I'm so like, God, time goes by so fast. <laughs> um, and I was like going by the name of Eugene DeVoe for the longest time. Cause I was really obsessed with um, deranged elements. Like I'm a huge, like um, I'm a huge Pan's, like, Pan's Labyrinth fan and things mm -hmm, like that. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm very like wicked. And I like, I like, I like love shit like Cloud Atlas and things like that. I'm like very like into like kind of like interstellar or even like creepy kind of things. But I also like love like fashion and I like have a deep love of like consignment and vintage wear. And I love what the word Vogue represents. I love that it represents being like in style um, and like that, cause that's what it means. So I chopped up deranged and Vogue and I made devout. Cause nice. it's like the harmony of those two coming together. Yeah, and I, I remember um, as I was getting ready for this podcast, you did an interview with uh, my lovely friend, Jim Silvestri and discussed how many people have just not pronounced your name right for the longest oh time. God. Oh my God, there, me and Reefy were talking about this the other day. <laughs> and because like pe people were literally go, hi, Reefy, or hi, um, right. like, it's so funny. And they'll be like, hi, Devo or Devo. And I'm like, it's Devo. Yeah. Does it bother you when people mispronounce it? Or is it a way of like, now you know who I am, don't fuck it up again? No, I don't think it really bothers me anymore because it's the kind of same thing of how people like pronounce uh rihanna and is rihanna right or uh, or or how they pronounce zendaya and is zendaya you know what i mean it's it's like it's kind of like that it's like kind of that mindset like you can't get mad at it because like you know you have a very specific kind of like um exotic name and you have to really just kind of roll with the punches sure how long does it take to get you into drag like is, is like, there we'll a have to tell. yeah it probably takes about honestly probably like on a really good day and like if i can take my time i like i've like been in like i have been able to get in drag like full head to toe drag in like 45 minutes or like 30 minutes like nice, i've nice. been able to do it because like you know that's that good like virginia drag queen but also like new york queen like style of hustle of sure. being able to get in face and to do it but i like on a good day it'll take me like two hours and like two hours a solid good two hours nice. or like you... even like 245 ish nice do you have any traditions you like to do when you get ready um, I just like love to play like really, really great music or I like love yeah. to listen. To, I love to listen to really great. There's this like great YouTube channel where they have do a lot of commentary and like pop culture and like and like black pop culture. And I kind of just like listen to that when I'm getting ready. So awesome. those kind of things. Yeah. Shout them out. Who are they? Who should we listen watching? Oh, it's called For Harriet. Like, it's so good. It's so interesting. Um, I watched their, I was watching their, they have an interview with um, Jamila Jamil coming up and I was like, oh my oh, God. incredible. Oh, it's, so it's like, it's very interesting right now. So I, I watch that, all, I literally watch it all the time. Nice. 
Now, I always love to allow the queens to shout out their favorite um, products. Do you have any favorite uh, makeup products that you use? Let's try to get you some sponsors. Uh, honestly, um, <laughs> I love Juvia's Place. Juvia's Place, help me on your PR list, please, immediately. I think Juvia's Place is like, just like the quality and the price point is something like I never thought I would see in my lifetime, uh, especially when it comes to be marketing directly to, uh, to Black uh, like makeup users and things like that. It, it's very incredible. Um, this is going to sound so bougie and like so bad, but I love the Kevin Aquan Foundation. Nice, nice. <laughs> I, I love it so much and it's so expensive and it is like, it is definitely like a treat yourself moment. But it, I think it was my friend Jackie Kennedy who like turned me onto it and it it's, it's literally changed my life. And I like hate that like it's so expensive, you know. Hey, if it works, it works, and you, you make it work. Yeah, yeah. You you find a way to get what you want, like, when it's that good. So you mentioned a competition you did in Richmond. Was that officially your first gig? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, yeah, I, like, did, I, like, I, like I said, I sat on it, and then, like, the competition came. I got a ride there. It was a whole moment, and it was all these things of just, like, a combination of just making sense. Do you remember what you performed? Yeah. My first song was um, Dirty Talk, and it was by Winter Gordon, mm -hmm. who is going by, I think she's going by Diana Gordon now, and she has, like, music out now, and she she wrote, um, she's a co-writer for the song Daddy Lessons with Beyonce. Yes, so yes, she, yes. So she's, like, still, like, doing the things. But, yeah, she was, like, and she was, like, my first song I did, because it was, like, the first song I heard that, like, felt like me. Nice. Who were some of the first people that really helped you out in your drag journey? Do you mean in Richmond or do you mean in uh, New York? Both. Um, when it comes to Richmond, I've, I have a really good sister named Celestia Cox, and she's really helped me on the journey of really discovering who DeVoe was and where DeVoe could go and how she could exist and what, con and what content uh, she could exist in. Um, and then I have a really great friend who's a bar owner and manager of the bar called Fallout in Richmond named Jackie. And she was a huge supporter of my drag and my standpoint and my viewpoint on drag in Richmond and really kind of helped me just like remind myself that you your art is valid and you're important. And like, sure. this is just as serious as what whatever these pageant queens are doing. Um, those are two people that really come to mind. Um, that um, have helped me in Richmond and put me in a great, great place and a great mindset, you know? Um, and then I have like great sisters like uh, in Richmond who are um, like Jasmine Cleopatra, which is one of the greatest rap names ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then I have uh, girls like uh, Stacey Monique Max, who is like my drag sister. And like sh her like support was just always like really genuine. And then I always had like Michelle, Michelle Levine and uh, Monica Duval. Like those were people who like, and Millennium C. Snow and Angelica, like there's a lot of girls in Richmond who were like really just understood me or were interested in trying to understand me. Nice. So and you, then, oh, sorry, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, no, no, like, no, we'll continue, go, go ahead. Well, when it comes to New York, I think, um, God, that laundry list is long. <laughs> right. uh, Ruby Roo, Ruby Royalty, Mocha Light, who is the best drag queen in the world, uh, Miss Demeanor, Princess Bitch, Little Buffet, um, Magenta, um, just like a gamut of like really amazing, talented groups of girls who really helped me and like shaped 
the way I can see myself in drag and like see myself in New York drag. Yeah. Well, speaking of a lot of those names, a lot of them alongside yourself, you have been able to grace the infamous stage of Bushwick. Yeah. What is it like to be able to perform at Bushwick? Oh my God. I think I, I when I found out what Bushwick was, it like, cause I, I knew what it was like when I was like living in Virginia and I like became obsessed with it. And like to go from like being obsessed with it to having your first year having your second year to then to your third year of headlining it and then to be directly now working with Bushwig is such a dream come true yeah and it's probably one of the biggest accomplishments of my career that I'm probably the one of I'm probably the most proud of to be honest with you um Perchata is also someone who's really helped me my drag journey and Icarus and Honolulu like that and, and Simon like that entire like House of Bushwick has been incredibly generous and great with sharing, like interested in sharing my story. So sh- being on that stage, it feels like this is who I am and this is what I'm into. It's it's the safest place I feel. Yeah, when I'm absolutely. Working. Well, why is Bushwick so important, not only to Brooklyn drag, but to the international drag scene as a whole? Because there's nothing else like it right now. There's not... Horchata really came in and saw the opportunity of creating a standpoint and a point of view and a worldwide festival uh, where she, they were like, there are amazing drag artists all around New York City. Yeah. And if I can give them three minutes on a stage to do whatever shit they want to do, I'm going to give it to them. And now, like, Bushwig is the biggest drag festival in the world. It so. really is. And it's so being a part of it and continuing to be a part of it is great. Like it's incredible. And I'm so happy. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been able to go and cover it the past two years. Um, it's, it's electrifying. It's really, you have to be there to experience why it's so important to not only be around like-minded people, but to see drag artists you may not get to see all the time. Yeah. It's also like, it's so healthy. That's what I say. It's 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 probably the healthiest space to be around people at that level that you feel that you feel connected to and people you even like don't get to see a lot. Like there's a lot of girls from like all over the state, so I, I don't get to see. So yeah. I wish we get the time where we get to really key and be like, Oh my god, how have you been? Yeah. And you know what? There are a lot of queens who have gone on to success through some television programs who still want to come back and perform. Yeah, which is exciting because it's like, like, it was like, I remember like I got to see like Scarlett at Bushwig and I haven't seen it. Like I got to see Scarlett here and there, but it was like really fun to like talk and like talk to Scarlett since like her entire like whirlwind experience. Right. Yeah, it it really is an important um, event. And I mean, I don't know what plans are going to be come a month and a half from now, but I, I hope we get some sort of version of it. I think I, I think I think it's happening. Yeah, I listen. I I'm here for it. Now let's say it does happen. What right now would you want to perform? What right now would I want to perform? Hmm. You get your three minutes to be on that stage. Well, I've done like really great um, stuff like in the past. Like I think every not every year I do Bushwick. I want it to be something different. Like my first year, I did this like whole like scissor moment of like team spirit with like this 
a spoken word piece from uh, Four Colored Girls. Then mm. the next year, I think I did Attitude by like Haley. And this past year, I did um, If You Let Me, which was like a central moment. So I think I would do something that would really change the shift of those two passings. So I would probably do something very like, probably do like an FK Twigs number, okay. like off of Magdalene or, oh, I would do her new thing, uh, Ego Death would be really cool. Or I would do a good, the new Janae Eichel track, Pussy Fairy. I think I would do that. Nice. You got yeah. options. You got some, some ideas ready to go. Yeah. Now you've been able to work with a lot of queens in New York, a lot of Brooklyn based artists. Are there any, is there anyone in New York that you've yet to work with that's on your dream list? Yeah, um, I would love to work with Pixie Aventura. I think. Oh, she's a legend. Oh, I think they're incredible. And I think they're someone who's, um, whose artistry expands so much of drag and uh, is really uh, sharp on like what drag can do. Um, and also just being the basis of a, like a, just a great drag artist and great drag queen. Um, I would love to work more with Jasmine Rice. I would love to work more, um, more with Max Pleasure. Mm -hmm. I think Max Pleasure is brilliant, and I would love to work more with. Um, yeah, I think I think that's a lot of the list of where I want to go and who I want to work with. I would love to work with like Mother Teresa. I yeah. think that'd be really cool. Yeah. Now let's say, coronavirus magically goes away soon. Yeah. You have an opportunity to work at any venue and create any show. What is the show? The show. Um, I would prop. Well, I, there's this new bar in um, being, uh, called Venus and Furs in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. They've been super, super sweet. They've been super supportive, and they're like messaging me and being like great and kind. Um, and I did an inaugural show there before, and I think I would just do a bigger inaugural show, and kind of like. And in, in, invite as like many hosts and as many performers as I could get on the bill, and like really, really like kind of bring back the air of like it's back and it's huge, you know, and yeah. make it a very huge just like celebration. Nice, I like that. Yeah, you're someone who's been able to not only work in Brooklyn, you you you've tackled it in Queens a little bit. You've come to Manhattan. For those who don't know if what the difference of each borough's drag is, how would you describe? let's say Brooklyn to Manhattan drag? Well, Brooklyn is very, very, it's a lot of different sectors in Brooklyn, to be honest. There's the fashion girls, uh, like there are like the West and the Serena T's and the uh, Jukus who do, are incredible and like gorgeous and visually stunning and are also just very artistically intelligent. Um, then there are like the weirdos, like the Pinwheels and the Esters and the, uh, and like, that kind of class of people who do things that are incredibly button pushing and subversive and surreal and have this kind of way of like making the absurdity absurdity digestible, which mm -hmm. is a huge skill. I don't think a, a lot of people know how to access. And then you have just like iconic legends like uh, Mocha and um, Patty Spliff and like Untitled who are kind of once in a lifetime queens um, who really really took the brooklyn edge to a new level of like what is possible for an artist to present on stages nice. so i think there's, there's just and there's even more than that and i think in manhattan i think that's the kind of gig you have to you have to show up and like 
put on your best drag, but put on your best drag that is accessible, that you can put in on a stage that is like, what, like four by four at this point. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You have Absolutely. to be on the mic. You have to have five mixes ready to go and three song regular songs ready to go and ready to be able to keep a crowd for one to one and a half hours and keep them drinking and partying. And t- like, it's a, it's kind of a workforce kind of thing you have to put yourself through of just that good old New York drag training of I can do it. And I'm, I'm the only one who can do it. And like, you know, it's, yeah. it's a very two different sectors of like, what is possible and what's not possible not saying those sectors don't overcross or like they don't mix in but sure. i think when you put the basis of like what is brooklyn and what is uh manhattan drag i think you have to put in the mindset of like those are the two different things you know absolutely yeah it's a, it's a marathon to do a manhattan show sometimes yeah and yeah. sometimes like sometimes that marathon becomes a sprint and sometimes mm-hmm that marathon takes longer than you thought, but like they have to put it in. Where in Brooklyn, sometimes like those risks don't go over well. And sometimes those risks are going to bring you to the next level, you know? Absolutely. We're going to play a little game called this or that. I'm going to give you two options and you're going to pick the one you prefer. Okay. All right. That's silly and fun. So we're going to start with night or day. Uh, Definitely night. Hot or cold. Hot. Cats or dogs? Oh, cats. Birds or rodents? You know, I've, I've been really debating this lately. <laughs> I really have. And when it comes to birds, I think exotic birds. <laughs> and when it comes to rodents, I think like the domesticated rodents. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> okay, so next is Little Mix or Fifth Harmony? Oh, my God, Little Mix. Absolutely. Dream or fate? Um, the dream, because the dream is mighty. Yeah. Fight or flight? Uh, fight. Always fight. <laughs> TV or movies? Um, TV right now. All right. Ice cream or cookies? Oh, ice cream. And finally, live or digital? Oh, um, like, like, like pre-recorded digital? Yeah. Love digital bomba. Oh, yeah. Like, uh... yeah, yeah, I hear that. Okay. So we're going to go behind the music a little bit. I want to know what your signature number is and how it became your signature number. Um, I think my, I think I have a few signature numbers. Uh, um, I think my main signature number and like the mo- the one I get like most requested to ask and or always ask and people talk about are, is, um, satisfy my love by lion babe Mm -hmm. um i do it a lot and i love it it is so like neo soul jazzy and just really smooth um yeah so i love i love lion babe and i love that song i think it became my signature number because i remember like watching a really good friend do it in virginia and i didn't know like i didn't know like you could exist like that in drag and I remember being obsessed with Flying Babe and like listening to it and taking it on. And I remember doing it at Cake. And I remember like the way the crowd reaction was like, I didn't, I didn't like, like they were like, I've never seen like, like Neo Soul taken in that direction as a queen mm-hmm. of color. And like that kind of like reminded me of the power that I can exude. Nice. I love that. Where yeah. do you find your inspiration when you create um, either mixes or numbers? 
I'm really drawn to things that feel really natural, things that feel very, very um, incredibly powerful or things that feel incredibly poignant in the way of like, like I said, my drag is birthed out of human nature and reaction. Mm -hmm. And I think whatever I react to, whatever I'm drawn to kind of really propels me to take on the task of performing a said piece or said number. Nice. We're going to do my favorite segment called Tea Time. We're okay. going to be able to spill some tea on some of your friends, sister, colleagues, people you shared the stage with. Um, it can be anything you want to share. Um, they should be prepared. Um, every time we do this, everyone's like, oh, my God, I'm going to read everyone. And then they're like, oh, my God, I love them. So we'll, yeah. we'll see where you fall. And we are going to start off with one of my dear friends, my Astoria sister, Sherry Poppins. <sighs> Sherry Poppins and me are going to be married one day. <laughs> no, oh, I, Essence. No, no, no. Oh, no, 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 no. But like, it's going to, but no, I think we've been in, me and Sherry have been in um, a artistic marriage for quite some time now. Sure. And I think Sherry is, a, she is the definition of a drag queen's drag queen. Yeah. She is a definition of someone who does what they want, how they want to do it. Um, kind of sees something and tackles it their own way and Liz like who's like I like I've had somebody instance of working with her where I'm like are you gonna do this and she's like no and I it, it cracks me up because she's like because it's always she has such a sense of self of what she's able to produce and create for her own mind so I yeah. like I think that's my that's what I love about her yeah another Astoria local Jax oh Jax oh my god incredibly incredibly talented incredibly brilliant uh, probably one of the most visually intelligent queens to come up in the last two year and a half, two years, year and a half out of New York, um, is really incredibly smart and knows exactly what they want. And the way they tackle things is very interesting. Yeah. We love her. She's iconic. Yeah. Next we have Reefy Royalty. Oh my God. Uh, um, to be honest, I have history with Reefy. Um, like not like they know about, but um, more of a sense of, I would remember watching and researching New York drag. And I remember watching repeat and being so captivated that like this drag existed because I never seen a queen that looked like repeat. Um, and being like, like being taken seriously and being to the height of height and being applauded in a way that was so extremely profound and i think reefy is the one of the most visually intelligent people i've met in my entire life yeah um really understand how to promote and expand parties and is a very smart kind of performer and the looks are great reefy's one of the greatest people one of the greatest drag artists i've like seen and the fact that now that like we send each other like grinder memes is like <laughs> probably the best part of uh, like the progression of our relationship. I love that. Next up is Neon Calypso. Oh God, that that is power. Neon is power. Neon is power. Neon is driven. Neon is sharp. Neon is extremely, extremely dedicated, and extremely a brilliant art piece that I don't think people. Understand. Did you know that Neon has a glass eye? I did not. Isn't that a gag that like she is doing? That's what I'm saying. Wow. And like she has one eye and she cannot. Like Neon is incredibly gifted. Absolutely. And I don't, that's what I mean. Like 
the way the way the exudes of the presence and the beauty that exudes from their mind and artistically what they're able to, to commit to and create is astounding to a uh, witness yeah oh wow that's yeah she's incredible incredible yeah. next up astrid oh um astrid is like really cool we get along really well we like kind of fell in love with each other when they started uh, visiting and then i was just like i really like you and she's like i like you and um they are very very like kind of one of those queens who's a drag genius who can like do their hair do their like costume paint their face comment on drag and kind of really does things her own way has her own very unique performance style so i really really respect astrid and i really really like them a lot yeah and i can't wait to see what they do in the scene uh coming forth yeah maybe maybe astrid will be on a certain tv show one day Speaking of which, yes. Well, speaking of which, Madeline Hatter. I know. Okay, so I met Madeline at Look Queen my last night at my first week in New York, and they were incredibly sweet. They were incredibly kind, and we've kept that relationship going mm-hmm. for a long time and for a while. Um, I love that you do your research. These are girls I really of course like. They do. Um. So I, I, I really respect Madeline. I really love Madeline. We get along well. We get on each other's nerves, but it's the <laughs> best kind of nerves. Um, and I'm really close to her drag family. I love all of them. So yeah. I'm, I love, like, I don't, I don't have anything, a bad thing to say about Madeline, a, a brilliant artist, and does that thing that is so hard to do where you truly look like no one else in drag. Absolutely. And yeah. I don't... I, I don't I don't think people understand how hard that is, and Madeline is someone who's really really carved that out for themselves. Yeah, Madeline's definitely defined who she is and defined yeah. the brand that she wants to put out there. And you know, I think we all respect her for it. And I think she should have gone a little farther on that TV show, but that's just me personally. I mean, you know, she made amazing TV. She and did. She really kind of she's really proved everyone wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of another queen who's been on TV, let's talk about Britta Filter. Britta Filter is someone who was incredibly supportive when I started working at Pieces and someone who's really taught me about how to make it as a queen in New York and really kind of like put the stamp down on like what they do specifically. And, um, we kind of like went through this thing of like, where I was like kind of part of hearing of like what was going on. Mm-hmm. And now I, we're on a great page. Um, I love them, she loves me, but she is someone who really kind of put instilled into me of like, this is how you show up and this is when you show up and this is what you do and this is how you talk to bar producers. And it was really, it was really interesting to see that, so- that business side of like one of the biggest queens at the time who everybody knew so mm-hmm. I I really like thank them for that because I don't think I like I wasn't getting that from especially when I was coming up I wasn't getting that from any Manhattan Queens like I was like working with them but no one was like taking the time to be like this is how you do it right like the way she was specifically yeah well another hustler in the New York nightlife scene who was on TV and one of my favorite people on the planet Honey Davenport wow well, Honey Honey is someone who's incredibly incredibly gifted and incredibly intelligent and incredibly fun so i like 
I feel so bad about what happened on Drag Race, and I was just like, <sighs> so I feel so bad about it. But I think, I really think Honey has so much to offer and has so much to um, execute that we have, like, yet to see. And I'm excited Absolutely. to see how beautifully that goes and how beautifully it extends out. Because Honey is incredibly gifted and incredibly... Absolutely incredibly smart with their drag and what they want to do yeah I, I mean it was unfortunate what happened on drag race but it was that little extra boost that gave them a platform to now bring their art to a bigger stage and that's what's oh, exciting 100%. yeah 100 percent. and i'm a lo- and i love it i love i love honey yeah well speaking of very talented people pinwheel it's so fun and like i said they do that thing where they make the absurdity digestible they do that thing where they make art and absurdity and wicked and like kind of crazy humor like you're, you're immediately interested and i remember like the way they were coming up and we like had a lot of conversations and i've like really i've really kind of helped them out and then like we've collaborated on a lot of things um we talk all the time and i have so much love for them and i think they're also one of the most people who really kind of know how to center me and mm-hmm. kind of like put me in the position of being like, it's just a scene girl. Like, this is how you sew it. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're very that person for me. Yeah. And they are incredibly talented designer. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. What, where the places your mind can go and the way they can talk about things. And cause they, there's only a few people who can speak to and Pimmel <laughs> is one of those people who is fluent in it. And I'll be like, oh, work, bitch. Yeah. Nice. Next, we have someone who a lot of people would like me to interview at some point. Shiny Penny. Shiny Penny. Ooh. Shiny is incredibly, incredibly fierce. And fierce in that kind of, like, drawn-in way of, this is mine. No one's going to take it from me. And if I don't like it, I'll leave. Yeah. And you're going to have to deal with it, which is something that, like, I wish I could exude. And also, and always as someone who will tell you, like, straight up, like, how they're feeling. And I really respect that about them. Because I think that people would, like, look at them as, like, this kind of, like, pretty, like, kind of pixie, like, queen who won't exude that energy. But as someone who knows how to give it to you 100% every time. And I, like, yeah. I love that. Because it's yeah. such a great dichotomy. Because they look Absolutely. so sweet. They look so sweet and innocent, but they're like, oh, no, 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 bitch. Don't you have <laughs> Absolutely. Well, from Shiny, you got to go to Ruby Roo. Oh, God, Ruby. Jesus Christ. Um, the most, the, like, the bit, like, I think the best thing I've ever heard about Ruby was she is someone who will cuss you out and you will turn around and give her $20 to do it 20 to five more times. <laughs> Yeah. And I think that's situation. Ruby is incredibly, incredibly an intelligent queen. And it like it bugs me how intelligent she is sometimes. Cause like <laughs> I, I just like remember a certain instance of like she asked me a question and she was like, Um, what do you need to do to get higher on a Thodyssey list? And I answered, I was like, I guess kill Ruby Room. And she was like and she said something on a, I'm gonna butcher it, but she like said something along the line, she was like well, to be honest, like if you had a career, and it was just like very like the way she worded it. I was like, funny. Like, the moment you have the moment Ruby asks you a question before she's before she's in a third word in the sentence, she's already came up with ten responses. Before. <laughs> yeah, 
She's great. I'm a fan. I love Ruby. So brilliant, so smart, artistically. One of the greatest, one of the greatest drag queens in New York. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of another legend, Horchata. Oh, Horchata. Oh, gosh. Horchata is someone who's incredibly kind, incredibly brilliant, incredibly someone who knows what someone needs and has to nurture them and understands people's journeys and when they will get there and how they get there and when to pull you in and say, this is when you're going to be right for this and this is when you're going to be right for that, which is something a lot of people don't understand is a motherly quality is the thing what a mother exudes of being like i'm going to groom you and i'm going to groom you in a certain way that is most successful for you to come up not for other people to come up behind you which i think is something really hard to carve out and really shows you how much attention she is paying to the scene and to performers absolutely i love that i love i love chata yeah well next we have mocha light Oh my goodness, the greatest drag queen in the world. It is, it is, I remember my first time seeing Mocha Light, I remember seeing her do, uh, like one of my favorite moments of, she did Freddy, she did Bodak Yellow, like painted as Freddy Krueger. And it like, <laughs> okay. It blew my mind. It was the most incredible thing, I think. Um, like the way Mocha, like, like, Mocha Light is that drag queen. You come into a bar and you're like, I know she's not singing those words, but if she's singing those words, <laughs> that that lip sync is incredibly tight, like incredibly tight. Um, just the greatest drag queen in the world. I have like nothing else to say. Like, incredibly smart, incredible, an incredibly smart person, and incredibly some. Like, I remember I like spent an entire day with Mocha, and Mocha literally went from like playing Xbox, watching NBC. And then watching Wendy Williams and like the justification <laughs> of like all, all that accumulated and like the intelligence that they do is something that is like to be marveled at. And the way and the way they bring all those topics like throughout their work and into their work and what they perform is uh, is a potion and is emotion and is an ingredient. I don't think we're ever going to get the special sauce to like and I'm yeah. fine. With it, you know, I love that. Well, this list could go on and on because you have worked with so many people, but we're going to wrap it up with Misty Meaner. Misty Meaner is someone who is, who is my, I say, I say, Misty Meaner is my sometimes New York drag mother. Mm-hmm. Um, Misty was someone who saw the art in me and saw the gift in me and someone who's really kind of like been tough on me. But someone who was, and I was like, well, how do I do this? And Misty was like, you go here, you go there, you talk to them, you talk to this, you do that, and you go fix, and you go make it work. You can do this, you're possible. And she was right. And anytime I've like talked to her, she's really seen my point of view and she understands my point of view. And she tells me when I'm being stupid and she's always down for a good key. Um, and an incredibly brilliant drag queen as well. I think Misty doesn't get enough credit of like sometimes of like how many like legends she has like birthed in the scene you know? <laughs> yeah well that was tea time that was fun that was thanks uh, for sharing all that yeah i was i was like i was excited for that list i was like i was like waiting to hear some things <laughs> that like i don't fuck with and i was like oh i like have like like my response ready to be like she's cool <laughs> yeah well we'll do an we'll do a separate episode of more people at some time oh god we'll tea time episode I want to take a little bit of a turn uh, and an important turn. Um, 
You have been a very loud, proud, and important voice the past few weeks as our country has experienced an important resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I want to give you the time to speak on your experience and share what you think we need to do as a country to make this important imperative change. Um, I think the main thing that we're still not doing and people think they're doing is uh, listening. Like, I think people are like, we are listening to Black people. And I'm like, but you're not, but you're not. Like, there's a lot of things that are happening that are great and that that are, like, also there are things that are people are just going out their way to do that, like, we've nece- we necessarily never had a problem with, but people are putting themselves in a position of attacking, and I'm mm-hmm. like, that's great, but we didn't ask you to remove that Gilmore Girl, uh, that Golden Girls episode. Like, we didn't, we didn't right. ask we didn't ask you to change your name, Dixie. Like, like there's just like a lot of things that like we did not ask for that is happening, which is great, and I'm happy they are happening, and it is pushing conversations forward, and it is making people think, and it is making people combat things inside of them. But we ask for these policemen and these people to be charged. We ask for these people to be held accountable, and that is a thing that somehow is still so far from where we are right and i think we just need to be listening i think people need to be investing their time their money their involvement their entertainment with black voices because there's this myth that black people are there is still this myth that black people are lying or like making up things or don't know what they're doing or they're less intelligent because they are a darker skin tone and i'm just like black people are also the reason why we have literally every art entertainment media are literally the reason why we're making the best music like we're making the best music we're making the best films and i think it's just time and time again where it's proven that like once you give black people the platform they're going to take it to a place you never even thought you could take it to and i feel like that alone is still very undercut and undermined and people think we're making strides but like i i like I, I still don't understand why like certain companies or certain uh brands still think like posting for black people on their instagram is enough change like that doesn't that uh visibility is universal and it creates change but i don't think uh performative visibility creates the change it really needs to change the groundwork of everything yeah. if that makes sense absolutely now you had some instagram issues you were posting every day and it was being seen by a lot of people and then all of a sudden your just instagram disappeared what happened? well so i was like i was like posting crazy nonstop and like not only nonstop but it was like it wasn't just like this is where you can go and this is where the marches are it was inc- it was like um because i became a tiktok curator in my quarantine um mm-hmm. in my quarantine uh career um and i was just like posting a lot of like intelligent educational things of Absolutely. like microaggressions intersexuality um systemic racism i was just like posting things like you could get educated on because i knew people were in this headspace of being like, where where can I go? And mm-hmm. I kind of just like took it upon myself to turn my Instagram into a news channel of yeah. like what needs to be seen. And then out of nowhere, I literally went from like I think three hundred people watching my story to the next slide 
where like it was like a thousand people watching my story and i was like yeah. that's not normal yeah i mean it, it really blew up i mean i a lot of the sources i got were through you well it was not normal in a way of like there were bots watching that story right and, and i was like these and then i was started seeing like a lot of my posts get was, was like getting deleted and then there was a lot of things like my friends were like did you send me this and i was like texting reefy at the time i was like i'm hacked and i was like D i'm like i'm deleting this message i was like here's my number i don't know what's going to happen through instagram and it got hacked so it, it was getting hacked really bad because it went from like my next slide was like 1k then the next slide was like 3k then the next one was like 8k it was it was yeah and i didn't know what was happening and I'm pretty sure I was like, I think people were doxing me. And if you know what doxing is, is when people can get your, uh, literally your entire information. Sure. They can find out where you live. They can find out where you work. They can get your, they can get your like bank card information, which I just found out, which is wild. Um, so they could have showed up to these people's places and like killed them. And right. I was like, this isn't safe. And I had to delete it. And it yeah. sucks because it was at 5k, but like, you know, you know, well, you like, know what? Well, let's build you back up. I mean, you really are an important voice and people need to see what you're sharing because you you have this really awesome uh, photo shoot you, you just posted about. Yeah, which was uh, at the Lee Monument, which was which was incredibly um, great to curate and put myself because I put myself in a mindset of like, oh, I'm able to put your, that's what I, I think my favorite thing is like, we don't have to uh, separate our goals and our experiences I, I you know what i mean i think our right. experiences are what makes our goals come true um so i think like you really have to trust your struggle and as scary as it is you have to trust it and you have and i think i wanted to do this like gorgeous like fashion sh forward shoot but i also wanted to do it as like a black art piece right um that is like exuding what is happening right now and i think a lot of those times those narratives get extremely just uh dismantled and extremely um like separated and i i wanted to put them together because i think it was so important to say that we can have both and they can exist harmoniously they're like these things are not ugly we can make it beautiful absolutely yeah an important conversation has been restarted about nightlife and how people of color are treated how can new york city nightlife do better hire black people I think people like I think people want a very complicated like tenure like answer to this question and they want it to be like we're really trying and we're really doing it and we are committed and I'm just like or you could just hire a black bartender hire a black producer hire a black drag queen and hire a black like staff member and everything will literally be fine yeah it's not hard because we do this thing in nightlife where specifically two black performers of all shapes and sizes and all forms and artistically aesthetics and blah 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 where we say you're not working hard enough or you need to do these competitions or you need to do this to get forward and i don't see that happening to white performers at all where i've seen many times white girls who have like been like i've been doing drag for three weeks and they're like looked at this bar with this legend and i'm just like i've been here for three years and i still haven't got that opportunity yeah you know so i think it's a thing where it's like you just have to hire black people and like kind of it's kind of this erasure of black art art and talent where it's like well you're too green and it's like 
I've been here for a while. When I've headlined Bushwick, when am I not going to be too green to get these opportunities? Right. What haven't I done that this per- white person who has been here for three months, who has this opportunity, what have they done that I haven't done? Who do they know that like that I don't know? Yeah. Are you optimistic that it that change will come? I'm optimistic because I think the change has to come. Right. I'm optimistic because I think that people are learning that they cannot exist in this local ignorance anymore. Because uh, if they do, I don't think they will survive. Absolutely. How important do you find social media to be in the drag scene? Like, how important is social media? I think now it's incredibly revolutionary to drag scene. I think social media changed drag. And I think that for the longest time, people were trying not to admit it or were trying to ignore it. But it's it it, it happened. You know, yeah. I think, like, people like a Bible and Aquaria and Aja really were some of the formidable people who changed that. And now, like, we have girls who are international, like Shigo and, like, Taste, who are getting worldwide recognition from Paris and from uh, uh, the U.K., so I think it's a thing where it's like, it's it's incredibly revolutionary and it's incredibly something you have to work your school set in or you won't survive. Absolutely. You know? In the age of post-COVID, what is the future of drag? Well, I think quarantine has definitely changed drag. Yeah. I think there is a lot of people who are putting out uh, like these drag queens are like full on pop stars now that are like in co- it's crazy yeah. it's crazy what these girls are able to produce um, and like I have seen some things that have like blown me away and I'm like how is this real right. so I think with that being said I think quarantine put drag at a new level digitally and show that that is extremely profitable and people are, are able to create things that are 100% authentic and genuine, and they're not really worried. They're not worried about, because when you're worried about surviving and when you're worried about putting your art out there, you're not worried about doing the new Britney Spears number for the fag at the bar because he asks you to do it. You're worried about being like, I want to put out what I'm proud of, and I worked really hard on this, and this is what I want to do. Yeah. So that's change, right? It's, It's really putting the power back into the queen's hands. Absolutely. Do you think it will affect how live drag is consumed? Well, I think it will. It, I will think it will cross over into how live drag is consumed. Because I think people will want to see drag now. How drag now is um, executed in, in the club scene because people are going to want to see those like amazing visuals and those amazing things. Right. So I think there's going to be a lot of things where people have to like park and bark or put up or shut up. You know right. what I mean? So I think it's in a place of being like, what's, what's realistic and what's attainable and what's tangible. Absolutely. All right. If you were to be on the drag race, who would you do for snatch game? Oh, I think I would do a Zillia Banks. Okay. Do you have, do you I think have some, be- you have material ready? I think, I think it'd be like I think it'd be fun to get blocked by her. 
I think it'd be fun to like get edited on Twitter by her. I think it would be like, I think it would be so fun. I've seen her three times in the life of New York, and every time I'm like, she's scared of boobs. <laughs> because I've like walked, because she's tall. She's like 5'10. Yeah. So, and like she lives in Harlem, but I've seen her like three times like walking down the street, and I'm like, oh my God, it's like terrifying. But I think it would be, it'd be really fun to do Azalea Banks. Or I think Andre Leon Talley would be really fun. Okay. Yeah. 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 That'd be fun. And, like, that's something, like, nobody really has done yet? Nope. Yeah. You have fallen down a rabbit hole on YouTube. What are you watching? Oh, right now, I honestly have fallen down a rabbit hole. <laughs> um, right now, I think I'm, like, watching a lot of, like, um, like video essays on, like, really, like, weird topics of, like, why, um, like, Nickelodeon Universal Studios, like, closed. Like, I was, like, watching that last night. Um, uh, Defunct Land? Huh? Yeah. Like why I got like yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I was like watching this video on like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and like why the editing like to digital is so bad and like yeah. how we don't and like and then I've been like watching things of like how like Kamora Lee Simmons built a billion dollar brand. It, I've been like watching like a lot of like off the wall stuff that is just behind like, the scenes things. Yeah, very that. It's like nice. it's very it, that's where I'm at in my life. Because nice. I love I think I love learning and I love to learn how things are produced and made. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So what are some of your current jams? Like make, make a playlist for our listeners. Um, I, like I said, I think black women are making the best, the best music right now. I don't think there is someone on a plane. I don't think there's a black woman who is a musician right now on the planet who is not putting out her best work. Um, I think Janae Iko's, uh, like I said, Pussy Fairy is really good. The Chloe and Halle album is like amazing. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. so. I think Pussy Fairy, Do It by Chloe and Halle, um, Ego Death by, but like the FK Twig solo version, I would like put that on there. Um, I think um, Tap In by Saweetie is like really great. I think um, Hood Girls by Megan Thee Stallion is something like everybody should be listening to because it's just so fun. Um, and I think probably any good line babe track, like any great line line babe just put out a great album so any line babe um look Haley just put out a new song that is like really cunty cunty and i'm into it so all of like literally everything i just said like just go listen to it and Love get it. into the line of it. we're gonna move into the pop five rapid fire where i'm gonna give you five pop culture um headline stories you're gonna give me word phrase story whatever you want to talk about for each and if you don't know it that's fine okay all right first up Donald Trump restarts his daily press briefings. No. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, 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 just, uh, I don't have any words to even like focus on. I don't have the attention span and the willful like desire to even like try to focus on anything Trump is doing right now because I think it is so astronomically stupid and I think it is so wicked because I don't think half the things that you are I actually don't think half the things you're doing right now is going to last or have like really any merit to what's going to like exist and where they're going to go yeah I mean I think hopefully in November we'll have a new president who will be able to reverse and change a lot I mean I just hope the ticket is built really well I hope um we really show up to these votes. My mom and me are always talking about voting and being like, you got to make sure you re-register and stuff like that. So we really 
have to really have to work on voting and getting mm-hmm. it out because we it, we didn't show up for Bernie last year and it was terrible. Do you have uh, someone who you would like to see on the ticket as VP? Um, this may be a little controversial, but I would love to see Elizabeth Warren. Okay. I think I think Elizabeth Warren was the smartest person for the job. Mm-hmm. I really do. I know she had a lot of controversies, but it also was because she was a woman. Let's just be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, because that they like that those controversies got so much press. But I think Elizabeth Warren is incredibly smart. Um, I think I think we try to get Bernie there, but Bernie was literally like like free college for like Bernie. We're trying to get you to the White House. Just like yeah. be fine. Like it's fine. Like we understand. We want it too. But like like we'll get you in in those six months and bernie was like abortion for everyone and, and they were like oh my god bernie you're scaring people you know what i mean right so i like i knew i knew like once all that happened i was like dnc is like not letting this happen yeah i mean i i really do love elizabeth warren i think she would be an excellent excellent vp um i mean there are also some uh women of color who are great uh, options as well who um i know we'll see i mean maxine waters herself I mean, she would never do it. She said she would never do it. Yeah. But I would love to see Maxine Waters in the Yeah, way. I know right now uh, Kamala Harris is very much high on that list. So we'll see what happens. Ooh, I hope so. I, I, she, I'm a very big fan of her, so I'm optimistic for her. All right, number two. Avatar's Legend of Korra is coming to Netflix. Okay, so I was never a huge Avatar fan. Me, neither was I. It's okay. Oh, my God. Okay, good. I'm glad you said that. So um, I, so my word is like, cool, go off, sis, do it. <laughs> but like, I'll be watching Will and Grace. Right. Yeah, every, everyone's posting about Avatar. I'm like, I know it was on TV at some point, but it didn't really hold any weight for me. Yeah. I Like, I love anime. Like, I love, like, Death Note and things like that. But, like, Avatar for me was just, like, never, never my judge. Yeah. All right. Number three, Manhattan Gay Bar shut down due to COVID. Like, what did we say? Nine shut down yesterday? See, um, that, that, I, I'm really not sure what the official number is, because I know um, Ninth Absolute has officially made their statement. Therapy is made a statement, but also said, like, 99% going to shut down. So it's not, like, official official, but all the staff is basically being like, we're gone, bye. Um, and then yeah. there was rumors of, like, vodka soda bottoms up. Well, vodka, I, I don't, I'm sorry, like... Any right. braces bar. I'm like, bye, gotta go. Yeah. Um, why isn't the monster being shut down? Can we talk about that? Like, can, can someone shut that down? Like, I still don't like... understand how we uncanceled it. Um, um, I think, like, um, and, and I know industry was, there was rumors about industry. Mm-hmm. And then I, I know officially the vault in Brooklyn shut down. So okay. that's really sad. So that's really sad. But I mean, yeah, it was like it was rumors of like nine bars going down, and to be honest, they probably will. Yeah, and that's just the reality of it. Um, I want to be sad for those bars, but I also cannot stop thinking about how they have like discredited and dismantled and separated black and trans bodies from being in those bars of sure. creating art. So I don't really feel bad when you have, like I said, an all white lineup and like all white producers because it's like you weren't for the community you were for your pockets it's very valid yeah number four drag race all stars season five um 
Okay, for for me, the first like two three ep- two episodes dragged on, mm-hmm. and I was just like so like, can you guys just give shade a crown? Like, can you just like give it? Yeah. Um, I don't think it was the cast we wanted. No, not at all. Not not even close. But it was the cast we needed. Mm-hmm. Because. That India drama, like, oh my god, it was so good. India um, was like, if I'm gonna be back on TV, I'm gonna give you everything. And like, she's like, that India drama was good. Um, I think people want to like Cracker, but they just don't like Cracker. Mm-hmm. Like, I love Cracker personally. I love Cracker okay. Drag. I think she's great. But I think people really like want to like Cracker. But she had such. I think she's probably had the weirdest arc on that on that sh- stint. It was just so weird. Like, she was winning all the challenges, but like people were like, um, but people were like, um, you're you were mean to Angina. So like, it was a it was just it yeah. was weird. So um, I don't know. Um, and Shayula for the fucking win because it's yeah. I, I I she was my preseason prediction. Um, I think it was a little un- it, it it hurts her chances slightly that Cracker won the last two challenges. That being said, Shay is unlike any queen we've seen on this program, and she deserves a crown on her head. Shay Kulay is the epitome of a black drag queen. Yeah, is the epitome of what it means to be a black drag queen. She's alternative. She's smart. She's creative. She's forward thinking. She's fashion forward. I I and she's and she's a queen's queen. She's I I shake away for the win, you know. Yeah, I'm here for it. And number five, Kanye West rally and subsequent meltdown. I was like trying to like do research about it, and I was like trying to like take in different things, but then I saw that Kanye was like, also my album comes out on Friday, and I was like, okay, yeah, um, I'm out. I'm logged out. I can't. I, I cannot, because as a dancer who is someone who's like worked in the industry for a number of years, I know what that means. I know what that looks like. And I know what the reality of that is. So I was like, I'm not, okay, bye. Like, no, nah, we're not doing this. It's, yeah, it's a mess. It's, it's, it's incredibly a mess. It, Connie West has bipolar disorder, but so does Britney Spears. And I think we are watching the effects of people who are going through a, a kind of a captive moment in quarantine and is having a lot of symptoms and having to deal with it. Absolutely. You know, yeah, it's been, it, it's been a couple interesting days watching the things that have fallen out afterwards and the tweets and the, the wife and the mother-in-law. I'm like, I can't keep up. I don't know what's fact and what's fiction. Yeah. I think like there's a lot of people who are probably not in the best mental space themselves who are judging this whole thing. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on in Kanye's head. I don't know what's going on um, in Britney Spears' head. I don't know what's going on there. And I think there's a lot of um, conversations that are happening that are coming from people who don't have the merit to make those to even start those conversations. Sure. Yeah. So I have my previous guest ask my current guest a question, and this is a question from Angela Mansbury. Oh, I love Angela. She's fabulous. Well, her question is. What was the first song you remember lip syncing to in your bedroom? Oh, that's a really good question. Probably, um, um, oh, okay. So do you remember when, uh, Christina Aguilera 
was uh, doing her whole like, um, like keeps getting better moment of, of her greatest hits. And it was like, mm-hmm. this was a target. Yeah. Okay. So I remember that. And I remember the idea of Christina. Okay. I remember that I knew the album. I think it was like coming out on Friday. But I knew it was coming. But I we went to the store on Thursday, and for some weird reason, I like convinced myself it was coming out on. Um, I convinced myself it was coming out on Thursday when I knew it was coming out on Friday. I had my mo- mother drive me to go get it, and then she was like, "We can come back tomorrow and get it." And it was just such a thing, a moment of like where my mom just like really understood me and supported my art. So I remember that moment because I uh, was obsessed with the song Keeps Getting Better. And that's the, one of the first songs I remember lip syncing and creating like full productions from my <laughs> own, like from my own self in my bedroom. I love that. Well, now is your chance to ask my next guest a question. Okay. Um, what is your favorite number you have seen a queen that you necessarily don't get to work with a lot do oh i love that that's a fun one it's exciting awesome well i will ask that guest that question where can we find you on social media um you can find me on facebook at devo monique um d-e-v d-e apostrophe over the e uh d-e-v-o um m-o-n-i-q-u-e and then on instagram it's d-e-v-o dot m-o-n-i-q-u-e Amazing. Well, Devo, this was such a blast talking with you. And I hope oh we God, get to see you, you so soon. Much. I hope so. I hope like we are we are back up in those bars and we are like yes. just raining havoc. Thank you so much, Michael. Of course. Thanks for being here. A huge thanks to Devo for chatting. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, and leave us a review while you're there. And make sure you engage with me on social media and tell me what your favorite episode has been so far. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. <laughs>